Aloha, I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. Welcome to The Body Show. Each week we talk about health and fitness, but none of what we discuss replaces a visit to your own primary care provider. Cancer touches all of us here in the islands. I bet everybody listening knows somebody who's been affected by cancer. Each year, over 6,000 people are diagnosed in the islands and almost 2,400 die from this devastating disease. Queen's Medical Center has partnered with MD Anderson Cancer Center to provide the latest in cancer diagnosis and treatment. And today we're going to discuss what this means for our island residents, along with what we can do together to support one another who happen to be dealing with this particular cancer illness. Now in the studio today, we have Darlena Chadwick. She's the Vice President of Patient Care at Queen's Medical Center. And we have Dr. Paul Morris. He's been here for over two decades. And he's the chair of the Cancer Committee and a thoracic surgeon who emphasizes in cancer at Queen's Medical Center. And he's the principal investigator of their National Cancer Institute grant. As always, when we're having this discussion today, you too can be part of it. You can join us at 941-3689, toll-free neighbor islands, 877-941-3689. Darlena, Dr. Paul, welcome to The Body Show. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Kozak. Thank you for the opportunity. Absolutely. Now, let's talk a little bit. Darlena, tell me a little about the structure of, of what's going on, because this particular affiliation with MD Anderson came about because... You recognized, as Dr. Paul, you did as well, that there was such a need to really help to to improve our game when it comes to clinical care for cancer patients. Very often when somebody is diagnosed, they kind of feel alone, like there's not so much information available or they only get stuff from their doctors and they don't know if what they're being treated with is the best that's out there for them. What are some of the experiences that patients have had in cancer treatment and diagnosis that you've witnessed that made you want to be part of this? Okay. Um, I've actually witnessed for myself firsthand, my daughter had cancer. So I saw the gaps in treatment and care. So when I moved to Hawaii, um, I decided to work. I've worked at all the systems here. And at Queens, my focus was really on oncology and building a cancer center, a world-renowned cancer center. I believe that Hawaii can have the number one cancer care here. I don't believe people have to get on a plane. And so we had to make that reality, and we did. Through our program and our team, we partnered with the number one cancer center in the nation. So when your daughter was undergoing this unfortunate diagnosis, what did you notice? What was missing? Or what did you notice that worked well that helped you to handle this as a family? I think that the gaps that I saw were the coordination of care. Um, We have set up a program so that we have survivorship Um, What do the patients do after the treatment? We set up navigation. How do we help coordinate their care through the treatment? We set up our genetic counseling program to help patients figure out what testing needs to be done. We, um, We worked on this together as a team and said, okay, these are the gaps we see. Now, how do we figure out how to fill these gaps in and how do we figure out who to partner with so we are commissioned on cancer which has some standards um, very rigorous standards that we follow so that helped fill a lot of the gaps where you know we're always striving for what's next and what's better Um, everybody can improve in any type of care 
So a lot of what you're talking about is kind of from the personal experience dealing with trying to just not only take care of your daughter, take care of your family, but figure out how to coordinate all these appointments. I mean, sometimes it's just the logistics. How do I get certain appointments done on certain days, make sure there's enough time to go to these different places? So it sounds like a lot of it just has to do with, um, you know, just logistics and, and almost like common sense. How do I put it all together and yet still maintain a way to be supportive for my daughter, be supportive for my family, get support from these people and figure out what else I need to know, which might not always come just from the doctor during that one visit. Right. Uh, Dr. Paul, tell me a little bit about yourself and your experience. Now, you've been here in the islands for about 21 years, and you've you've actually trained at MD Anderson Cancer Center. What do they do that's really excellent? At MD Anderson in Houston, Texas, the uh, multidisciplinary clinics are superb. Uh, in this one location, you will have access to a surgery doctor as well as a medical oncology doctor to discuss chemotherapy, as well as a radiation oncology doctor. And all of the doctors discuss the treatment plan amongst themselves and with the patient and the family so that essentially one-stop shopping, you can see all of the necessary physicians and ancillary services and come up with a, a cohesive care plan according to national guidelines. When I moved to Hawaii many years ago, uh, I thought that the best way to bring that excellence in care to this state of Hawaii was to uh, replicate and duplicate this multidisciplinary approach where every team member is able to uh, have a vote and, and to provide their input into how best to manage this type of cancer. So let's just Let's just put it in pictures. So if I were a cancer patient and I was going to MD Anderson, from what you recall from your training, I could sit in a room and meet with a medical oncologist, a surgeon, a radiation oncologist, and talk with all of them about their treatment plans that they have already worked out on their own about my case and really sit there and ask these doctors in the same room, what do you think? Should I do this? Should I do that? How about this approach? And really be part of that team. That's absolutely correct. Because that's pretty rare. That is rare, and that's why it's a success here in, in Hawaii. The Queens Cancer Center is based upon this philosophy and this approach, and we have gotten a lot of great feedback from the, both the physicians and the patients on how well that multidisciplinary system works. So who's part of this team? We mentioned the doctors that are part of the team. Are there other people on this multidisciplinary team? Social workers, nurses, patient navigators. Who else is a member here? All of the above. We have nutritionists because every cancer patient has trouble with knowing what type of what foods to eat. To eat. Right. Exactly. And, and, and are they losing weight and how will they keep up nutritionally? Social workers, as, you, as you've mentioned, the emotional aspects of dealing with a cancer diagnosis. Uh, so we have healthcare providers to help with those emotional aspects. But navigation and survivorship and, and pastoral care, and very importantly, pain and palliative care services for patients who need those, uh, those specialists as well. So it really does encompass everything. Now, Darlena, both you and Dr. Paul have talked about survivorship. Given the situation that you had with your daughter, mm -hmm. what does survivorship mean for you? Okay, so 
when we talked about the gaps in care, my daughter and I and my husband moved here from South Carolina to Hawaii. Um, we wanted to make sure that she followed up on her treatment and was able to get the right care at the right time. So there was no care plan that we had to follow. Now in our survivorship program, after treatment, the patients meet with our APRN, Cisco, and he will go over what is the care plan for them out seven to 10 years. So if you need a, um, if you're a prostate patient and you need a DEXA scan every year, they will, this will be mapped out for you. And your navigator that is assigned to you can help you schedule those future appointments as well for the logistics like you talked about. So we mentioned APRN, that's an advanced practicing registered nurse, so they can kind of actually act as somebody who helps to make these medical decisions, work closely with your doctor if you're the patient, uh, who to just make sure that you're doing all the things you need to do. Because you're right, I think very often when somebody has cancer and then they're treated and they're in remission, I dare I say the word cured, I'm afraid to to say it, because I know in the medical oncology world, that's a difficult term to really adopt. Um, But then what do you do next? Do you still see your oncologist? Well, if you've been 15 years out from your cancer, you probably don't have to. But what kind of monitoring do you need? So it sounds like for anybody who's in part of this plan, they're going to have that information provided to them up front. And that will be helping to guide both themselves and their primary care physician or providers. What else do they need to do? Exactly. So the primary care physician is extremely important in the long term. So and and in the short term. So we keep we give a report to their primary care physician and to the patient themselves. And they have a number to call if they have questions or if something changes, then, of course, we have to adjust the care plan. So let's talk about some logistics because I want to just make sure that we all understand exactly how this this whole system is going to work. But let's talk about the University of Hawaii Cancer Center for a moment because they're part of what's going on in a different fashion. Tell me a little bit about the consortium and how that works and what part of cancer care is that related to? Okay, um the University of, Can- of Hawaii Cancer Center is our partner, and we partner with them in research. There are several members of the consortium, and that includes Hawaii Pacific Health. It includes Kuakini and Queens. And we work in partnership looking at what clinical trials are available for our patients. How do we get them on these research studies? We're part of the NCORP grant that you mentioned that Dr. Paul Morris is um, co-PI on. So we work with our cancer center very closely. There is a monetary uh, contribution as well. Um, we want to make sure we always support our cancer center here locally. Now, with the MD Anderson affiliation, this is focused on our clinical side. So it's totally different. You're talking about research, which is clinical trials, which is trying to discover the next treatment for various different types of cancers or prevention or diagnosis. So that's a little different. That's in the research arm. And then the clinical arm is where you're talking about the affiliation with MD Anderson. Absolutely. Now, it wasn't that easy to just call them up and say, hey, what do you think? You want to join us? There's a whole process. Is that right? 
Yes, there is. So um, to become an affiliate of MD Anderson, there is a very rigorous process. You have to go through a developmental stage, and that's where they come here, do site visits. They pull charts from the medical oncologist, the radiation oncologist, the surgical oncologist. They pull records. They look for trends. They look for um, to make sure we're following the NCCN guidelines, and then they give recommendations. They also inspect everywhere we provide cancer care. So, for example, if a nurse is giving chemotherapy, they actually monitor how they down their gu- their um, their gown. So they watch how they put their gloves on. How is the chemotherapy? How do you do your two patient identifiers? So they're very involved in detail of how we provide care. So um, once you get through the developmental phase, and we did, now we're in the operational phase. So we have begun our partnership and our affiliation. So now they will ongoingly monitor and audit us, and they will come out and do a concordance study to measure our quality, to make sure that our quality improves every month. And so, you know, it seems like it's such a silly thing. How do you put on your gloves? But it really can have an impact on patient care. And how do you do your gown? How do you protect yourself as the staff? But also, how do you protect the patient? So there's a lot of, you know, it's surprising, but there's a lot of standards that you have to meet in order to provide chemotherapy. And although it seems almost like, oh, you just have to do too much, it really is based on protection of the individual who's receiving the treatments. Yes. Okay. Now, you mentioned something, and Dr. Paul Myers, I want you to explain it. NCCN guidelines, what does that mean? These are national guidelines established by the major cancer institutions in the country that are the framework of the proper delivery of the proper care, meaning did that patient with breast cancer get the correct chemotherapy? Did she get the correct chemotherapy the correct number of times? Did she get proper hormonal treatment? Uh, Did she have the surgery that she needed? And the radiation therapy, and how much? And and the guidelines specify the proper treatment. And we understand that in order for these patients to have the best chance of, of beating this cancer, that they should be treated according to the guidelines and uh, we follow these national guidelines implicitly in our treatment plan when it's most clinically appropriate. So when we talk about these national guidelines, if anybody has a diagnosis of cancer, whether it be colon cancer, breast cancer, lung cancer, ovarian cancer, there's already been research done to establish what optimal best-of-care outcomes and future, et cetera, would be like with different types of treatments. So a, a large breast cancer gets a certain number of the, the surgery, the radiation, the different chemotherapy, a smaller breast cancer may get a different recommendation. But these have all been worked out is what you're saying. And there's national guidelines. And if they're applicable, if that person can tolerate whatever that treatment is, that's what we're, that's the guideline. They're following it. Yes, that, that is absolutely correct. Would you ever not follow the guidelines? Uh, if the patients declined these guidelines, uh, as long as you documented that the patients were not willing to participate, uh, or if, uh, for instance, if a patient were supposed to get a certain chemotherapy regimen, yet they had kidney problems, maybe you couldn't use that specific chemotherapy regimen. So you have to deviate from time to time uh, 
and and that is all monitored closely. And and if we deviate from the standard of care according to these national guidelines, um, then we we are scrutinized to see if we made the correct decision, and uh, we get feedback from MD Anderson as to the appropriateness of the therapy. Now, prior to this affiliation, would you have gotten feedback? Internally at Queens, we would have gotten feedback through our peer review system. So uh, the cases are presented amongst colleagues, and uh, and these the cases are uh, looked at at to make sure that they're following the guidelines and internally we can look at them together but in addition to so this is the icing on the cake in addition to the quality metrics that we already use in clinical practice at the hospital now we have another layer of of quality assurance well and i think it makes a lot of sense that you know if you have there is an individual aspect of medicine and if somebody has kidney failure or heart failure or they can't tolerate the standard of care best chemotherapy medication because of some pre-existing condition, you're going to have to deviate from what the guidelines say. We can't use the one-size-fits-all approach if somebody doesn't fit. So you, you have to have a reason and a justification for that. And it sounds like that's going to be monitored. People are going to ask, hey, how come Mrs. Jones didn't get X, Y, or Z? And if you say, well, it's because she's allergic, because she has kidney problems, she has heart problems, then that's a justifiable answer. And that is a deviation that makes sense. That's correct. And, and, and we will rely upon our documentation to uh, bring forth those reasons for deviation. But if I could just put this all in perspective, what what I think matters most for the patients is that we have learned from our National Cancer Institute grant and from the hospitals that we have worked with within the Community Cancer Center program that if patients adhere to the treatment that is a national guideline and if they show up for their treatments on time, then we would expect an improved cancer survival. So in the effort to make sure that every patient can have the optimal chance of beating this cancer, we have to make sure that they get the proper treatment at the proper time for the proper reason. And, and this program is designed to optimize that. Well, it certainly sounds like this is, it almost sounds like it's been a long time in coming, but it's a, a welcome addition to what people here in the islands can can handle and look, I don't want to say look forward to, but can look at when and if they do have a family member or someone they love who gets a devastating cancer diagnosis. How do they know that they're getting everything that they need right here at home? Because there is such a value to the family support and the social support and, and everything else that goes along with being at home as opposed to having to fly off to another state and deal with all the logistics of that. So certainly it, it makes you feel more comfortable knowing that you're getting the best of what could possibly be given for that particular condition. We're going to talk some more in just a few minutes. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with Darlena Chadwick. She is the Vice President of Patient Care at Queens Medical Center and Dr. Paul Morris, who is the Chair of the Cancer Committee, a thoracic surgeon who emphasizes cancer in his practice. And we're going to talk some more about what this affiliation means and how people on various neighbor islands can be rest assured that they're also going to 
to have this treatment available to them as well. You can join us at any time, 941-3689, toll-free neighbor islands, 877-941-3689. We'll be right back after this quick break. Stay with us. On the next Humankind. When something happens beyond our control, we have to find strength and we have to find some way to deal with the emotions we're feeling then. Hospital chaplains on how they help patients handle the crisis of sometimes life-threatening illness. I'm David Freudberg. Join us for Humankind. This evening at 6.30, following Marketplace. On New Letters on the Air, Chilean-American writer Marjorie Agosin says her poetry and prose often become a kind of collage. Because I am always recreating the world of memory, and the world of memory is never the same. It is flowing. It has movement. Marjorie Agosin reads from Of Earth and Sea, a Chilean memoir, and some of her poetry on New Letters on the Air. Tuesday evening at 6.30. Support for The Body Show comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk show programming. Mahalo to contributors Bush Consulting, Sacred Hearts Academy, and Hawaii Supply. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with Darlena Chadwick, Vice President of Patient Care at Queens Medical Center, and Dr. Paul Morris, Chair of the Cancer Committee, and both of them are integral in the recent development of the affiliation with MD Anderson Cancer Center in Houston, Texas. It's the number one cancer medical center in the United States, has rated pretty much several years in a row for their excellence of care. Dr. Marsh trained there as well. And we're going to talk about what this partnership means for people here in the islands. Now, we were just reviewing these National Cancer Center Network, the NCCN guidelines, and the fact that really it's been already established what the best outcome would be for different types of cancers, depending on the the staging and all the various different elements of it. So there are some guidelines that tell doctors what would be best in that situation. Now, anybody can follow those guidelines. Any oncologist can take a look at the guidelines, and a lot of them do. Is that right? Correct. They are readily available. Okay. So when we talk about having this logistical partnership affiliation occur, you know, MD Anderson had this fairly rigorous developmental period where they looked at charts and they tried to figure out, are they doing things correctly there? Are there is everything working out the way it should? And you were accepted as one of the affiliates. There's, I think, currently about 22. There's only going to be a total of 30. So not every hospital can take part in this process. There are some that are still applying to be part of it. What does that logistically mean? So let's say I live on Molokai and I get diagnosed with cancer and I think I have to do all my treatments on Oahu or even further on the mainland. What are the logistics of this so that if you are on one of those neighbor islands, you can feel comfortable knowing that what you're getting is going to be the best the best type of care you could get, most up-to-date, and exactly what you might get at a major medical center. How would I know that, Darlena? 
Okay. Um, for our neighbor island partners, um, we we have now Molokai General Hospital and North Hawaii Community Hospital. So we just kicked off our, well, we will on October 3rd, kick off our very first new cancer center at North Hawaii Community Hospital. This will take years to get them at the level of where we want them to be with MD Anderson and get them affiliated as well. And when you talk about rare cancers and cancers on the neighbor islands. It's very hard on the family, socially, financially, um, to come here to Honolulu for treatment or to the mainland for treatment. Now, I want to be very clear that MD Anderson has a concierge service. So if we have a very rare cancer, there's the peer-to-peer consultations that can happen in real time. We can give MD Anderson the patient's chart case all the information, pathology, lab, everything, they can review it. And if they feel that it is a rare enough cancer and that patient should be treated at a different facility because we always want the best for the patient. So if we do have to send them to the mainland for treatment, and let's say it is MD Anderson, then we have a concierge service built into this affiliation. So that patient, instead of waiting to get in, will have an avenue where the physicians have already reviewed their records, have already spoken to the local oncologist, and they will get in right away. And all the logistics and details of where do they stay, how do they get there. I mean, I always think like getting tickets and all these sorts of little details of things that you really have to worry about, but that will be made easier because it's already been determined this is where we need to to assess your treatment. And the navigator will personally handle the logistics for the patients, and they will coordinate the care, the appointments, and work with MD Anderson. Specifically for, like you mentioned, rare cancers. Yes. yes. Okay. If you had a cancer that was not rare Mm -hmm. and you were on, you know, the big, well, the Hawaii island, the big island, I'm learning what they (laughs) like best. And if you were there and you were at North Hawaii Community Hospital and you go to this clinic on October 3rd, what can you expect if you don't have a rare cancer? If you have a cancer that's, I don't mean to say common, but, you know, something that is that, that we see more often, would you still be able to get the same level of expertise of a doctor reviewing the chart and making sure everything was being provided in the best possible way? Yes. So what we have, um, Dr. Clayton Chong, Um, a very prominent physician, medical oncologist here in Honolulu, is flying out. And also we have other members of the medical oncology team that will fly out to North Hawaii. They will treat the patients on island. They will consult with the surgeon, the radiation um, oncologist. They, we have hired a navigator for North Hawaii Community Hospital. We have our survivorship program, our genetics, everything will come to them versus them having to fly here. Wow. So Dr. Chong will will gather together his group of experts and say, I've got this situation, North Hawaii Community Hospital. Here is the individual. This is what I think we ought to do. Get some input. Do we need radiation? Do we need surgery? And then present that to the individual on Hawaii Island and say, hey, this whole team has talked about it. We've reviewed your situation. Here's what we would recommend and here's how we can bring it to you. Yes, exactly. So everything should come to the patient versus the patient having to come to Honolulu for all their care. 
it sounds like this is going to be transformational to people on the neighbor islands because they often have a difficult time. Like you mentioned, getting here, not only is it cost, but it's also social support, working, their job, their families, child care, where to live. I mean, there's so many different aspects that would make it so much more difficult for them to succeed in their treatment. All right, we've got a caller on the line. We've got Marilyn on the line from Hawaii Kai. Marilyn, welcome to The Body Show. Oh, thank you. Um, I only tuned in about 10 minutes ago, but I, uh, I wanted to find out, do they also uh, address alternative methods uh, for cancer? Great question, Marilyn, because, you know, I think there's a lot of thoughts in any sort of medical treatment, whether it be diabetes or blood pressure or cancer or anything about using some other alternative treatments to address cancer. And that's that's something that I think there's a lot of information that's out there to try and figure out how can we integrate things for people to make them feel as though they're getting that holistic type of treatment. It's a great question, Marilyn. Darlena, Dr. Morris, what, what happens when somebody wants to consider some of the alternative methods um, how, do, how do we handle that? Okay, in the cancer center, we actually have alternative medicine, and we believe in that as well. We believe that, you know, you treat the whole patient. And we have a certified oncology acupuncturist in the cancer center. We have dog therapy. We have, um, we have our own dog, Yoda. Um, we have Yoda the dog. Yes. <laughs> I'd say cat therapy, but I'm not sure how sympathetic or helpful cats are. But, okay, so you have dog therapy, Yoda. Um, we also have art therapy program um, that is very, I mean, it's very busy, and the cancer patients love it. We have music therapy. We have healing touch. Um, we, in on the um, North Hawaii Community Hospital, they have a program for a prayer, and they have a prayer blanket that they come and um, present to the patient and pray with the patient. So we have different, they also have a cart with aromatherapy that goes around every day for the patients. So we definitely believe that we have to address the whole patient. Okay. Now, Dr. Morris, it's kind of difficult. Here you are, a thoracic surgeon. What, you know, considering how many years you've practiced here, what changes have you seen in the way that people approach alternative treatments for cancer? Because, you know, alternative complementary medicine, when I first came here and back in 99, was sort of on the fringe. But now it's really become much more mainstream. And there's 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 a reason why people are choosing those different avenues. And we're trying to make sure that we're all headed on the same highway. Have you seen that as well? Yes, we have. And interestingly, most of it is evidence-based. We know that acupuncture will help the patients reduce their chemotherapy-induced nausea. We know that patients who do get chemotherapy often have this tingling in their feet, which is called peripheral neuropathy. And we've uh, been able to, to note in a uh, clinical trial that we can decrease that substantially by using acupuncture therapy. Similarly, we, we know that uh, the musical therapy and relaxation techniques will help patients tolerate their chemotherapy better, less nausea, uh, uh, back to work sooner. And this is not just pie in the sky, I think this might work. This is evidence-based uh, clinical trials information that we're trying to roll out to allow patients to have access to complementary medicines. 
So let's talk a minute and define what we mean by evidence-based, because uh, you and I may understand what this means completely. But, you know, when we talk about evidence-based, we're talking about doing a trial and finding that there is a better response to for the individual to having either music or acupuncture or some type of treatment provided when you look at a group with the treatment, a group without the treatment. We're saying, yeah, we've done those tests, we've done those trials, we see a benefit. That is correct. Okay. And so it's, you know, Marilyn, a great question. Are they incorporating that? And the answer is, yes, actually, they are. And a lot of places are looking at that as ways to try and help people to address cancer as something that occurs to the whole person and using a variety of different modalities that they feel comfortable with to help treat them with their condition. So certainly we're, we're moving ahead in those directions and going to a good place. Now, we have another caller on the line. We have Mike from the Big Island. Mike, you got to help me. Is it Big Island or Hawaii Island? Am I messing it up all the time? Here on the Big Island, most people call it Big Island. So I can oh. say that and you're not insulted? No, not at all. all right. <laughs> it's the Big Island for now. Thank you for calling, Mike. What can we do for you? Hey, I was wondering about um, Quest, people that have Quest, you know, insurance, low income, and they're on Quest. Um, would this treatment be available to them, you know, depending on... So are you concerned that maybe if somebody was on Medicaid or a Quest provider insurance that they might not be able to get the treatments at the hospital over there in the Big Island? Correct. Either the okay. Big Island or Queens. Okay. Actually, I'm calling on behalf of a neighbor. Um, she has a, she's in her late 30s and has a, uh, a six-year-old little girl and has uh, rectal colon cancer. And oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Removed. Um, portion of her rectum, and um, there's still cancer in her system, but um, she's been denied here on the Big Island because they said it's a very expensive cancer to treat, and uh, no one will accept the cancer, and she's been in touch with uh, Queens on Oahu, and um, the oncologist there was, was like, oh, you should have seen her a year ago, then she was informed that uh, we can't accept your insurance either. And um, one person even told her, well, you need to write your will. Good luck to you. So wow. I just, uh, now that you guys are there, and I can actually ask somebody. Yeah, Mike, I mean, it sounds like some really dramatic things were told to her. Now, this is the 30-year-old who has the cancer, not the 6-year-old. Correct. Okay, so a woman in her late 30s who has a young child is being told, write your will, you have this bad tumor, there's nothing we can do for you. It's related to your insurance. Well, you know, as you were saying that, I saw Darlena here shaking her head like, uh-uh, that's not how things go. <laughs> One of the things I know about Queen's Medical Center in particular is that they have done a fantastic job, particularly through their Queen Emma Clinic network, of accepting all comers, and it's not based on finances. It's not based on what type of insurance. They really have been a model for the state, in addition to some of our public health centers that have really said, you, you're sick, you come. Come and we will take care of you. Darlena, you're shaking your head yes, vigorously. Absolutely. Our mission is to take care of the people of Hawaii, all people of Hawaii. It does not matter what type of insurance you have. And if it's Quest, that's fine. And if you have nothing, we will help you get something. And 
in our system, but we do not ever deny patients. Um, that is part of Queen Emma and King Kamehameha the Fourth. That is our mission to take care of all people. And if I, I just want to be clear, sometimes that the physicians are outside of the cancer center, and um, some physicians accept certain insurances, some don't. But um, as Queen's Medical Center, just as you stated, if it's at the medical center, we accept all. Well, that's great to hear. Is it possible off the air for me to uh, give you her phone number? Absolutely. Well, I'll be, be happy fun. to help. Yeah, I'll, I'll uh, wait online. and. and uh, I'll actually it. be on the Big Island tomorrow. So. <laughs> and, oh, Mike, okay. this is Dr. Morris. It's uh, really important to understand this, too, and, and I think this is what... Queens has always brought to the table and what MD Anderson has brought to the table. But if we have a woman in her 30s with rectal cancer and a six-year-old child, that child is at increased risk of getting cancer. This is a hereditary, potentially hereditary cancer syndrome. And so the the woman's grandmother had the same cancer and died. Yeah, so uh, when this patient arrives, you know, we'll do everything we can to make sure they get an appointment with the genetics counselor to investigate this. And we're also starting our personalized medicine program. So this will get more involved with testing in your DNA and how we can help the family members as well. Mike, it sounds like you just made a life-saving call, and give give the phone number of this individual to our fabulous sound engineer, David, and we will make sure somebody gets back to you. But thanks for giving us a call because, you know, it's important for us to realize on our end, sometimes the oppression or what people get told out of frustration or maybe out of inappropriateness or whatever the situation might be, you know, it's... Very often I'll hear, hear patients say to me what I've told them. And and I remember one situation where I said to the individual, but it sounded so much better coming out of my mouth, not yours. And then I realized, be very careful what you say, because this is what Mike remembers. This is what his friend remembers being told, you know, make your will. And no, we don't take your insurance. And yet here's somebody who might need treatment and whether or not hopefully their life can be saved You know, Dr. Marsh, you brought up a really good point. There could be a hereditary issue here, and that child may be at risk. And the best thing to do is to find out that information as soon as possible because that can really help people further down the line in the family. So thanks to you guys for being here, and thanks to Mike for listening. We might have been able to make a connection that really can help save a life, which is why we're all here, really. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio, and we are talking to you, but we are also talking to Darlena Chadwick, Vice President of Patient Care at Queens Medical Center, and Dr. Paul Morris. He's the chair of the Cancer Committee, and we're discussing their recent affiliation with MD Anderson, the top cancer center in the United States, and what that's going to mean to all the people here in the islands and how we help to treat their situation with cancer and treat their whole family and treat, you know, their whole holistic individual experience to get them the best results possible. We will come back after a quick break, but remember, you can join us at 941-3689, toll free from our friends in the neighbor islands, confirmed by Mike, Big Island, 877-941-3689. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Learning who drops out of school and why, author Monty Clark discusses his latest book and how these techniques can be used to help anyone in a major transition in life or their career. 
Also, Hawaii Health Services Corporation Maui Regional Board selects Kaiser to operate their facilities. We'll talk with Avery Chumbly about what comes next for the hospitals involved. Tomorrow morning at 8 on The Conversation. Winter travel in Siberia taught NPR's David Green a lot about today's Russia. Today, Russians are really searching for an identity. Enjoy an earful at a local pub in Scotland. There's just the place to gather to put the world to rights. And hear how tradition is essential to making port wine. They are still cut it by hand, and there is no way of doing differently. On the next Travel with Rick Steves. Tuesday at 4 p.m. following Fresh Air. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with Darlena Chadwick, Vice President of Patient Care at Queens Medical Center, Dr. Paul Morris, Chair of the Cancer Committee, thoracic surgeon with an emphasis in cancer, and the Principal Investigator of Queens National Cancer Institute NCI grant. And we're talking today about the affiliation with MD Anderson and what is that going to mean for the folks who live here in the islands and how will that help to elevate the level of cancer care throughout Oahu and the neighbor islands, Molokai, Big Island. I'm sure we're going to see some some improvement in how we handle things medically on Maui and pretty much every neighbor island because that's really what it takes. You know, Darlene, as you were hearing Mike describe this, and this woman in her late 30s has a six-year-old daughter, It's it has to kind of bring you back to dealing with when your daughter had cancer and knowing how difficult that experience was. And just knowing that there's going to be somebody who will help understand it and help be part of that process of healing has got to be a life-saving experience. Let's talk a little bit about what it might physically be like. So let's say, Dr. Paul, that I come to Queens Medical Center, I get diagnosed with a cancer, and we can pick a rectal colon cancer because Mike was describing that with his friend. And it's it's not necessarily a rare cancer per se, but I'm young and it's unusual that I have it. How would I be able to discuss this with the different oncologists and know that they might be consulting with the experts at MD Anderson? For, from the perspective of the individual who's diagnosed, how would I know that? I would first go see one of the medical oncologists. Would I have a meeting with Maybe not you as a thoracic surgeon, maybe a different colorectal surgeon. How would that all take place? You would get involved with uh, a medical oncologist, radiation oncologist, and surgeon. We believe that any patient who is diagnosed with a cancer needs the advice of these three subspecialists before a treatment plan is created. With regards to the contact from Queens to MD Anderson, MD Anderson will be joining by satellite the Queen's Tumor Board. And so uh, every month there are 11 different tumor boards that occur at Queen's for different sites. And uh, actually on October 16th, MD Anderson will be joining the Queen's Colorectal and Gastrointestinal Tumor Board where this person's uh, case would be presented. And then the experts at MD Anderson would provide input and and assistance and together would come up with a care plan for this specific patient. In addition to that level of interaction with the experts in Houston, uh, any of our patients and, and 
and hopefully many of our patients will say, well, I would like to have a second opinion provided by these experts at MD Anderson. And that's something that we do. Uh, we make the contact electronically and send all the, the data to Houston. And uh, rapidly, within a day or two, we'll get a return phone call from a s the specialists in Texas to discuss the case with the physicians on Oahu and then come up with a care plan that has been uh, approved by the specialists in Houston as well. So there's multiple avenues by which the patients will gain access to the expertise um, at MD Anderson through the expertise already in place here on Oahu. So I want to touch on two points that you made. And the first one is tumor board. Now, you and I may know what this is, and we might have attended these conferences, but how would you describe tumor board to someone who's never been there? So f for the patients, a tumor board is a conference where um, with complete privacy, and nobody knows the name of the patient being presented, but um, the x-rays are reviewed, the history is reviewed, the pathology is reviewed, and the multiple physicians in, in the audience uh, talk about proper treatment based upon, again, national guidelines, based upon the patient's uh, social and medical situation, and uh, come up with a care plan. Then the lead physician, the, the patient's own physician, will take this information back to the patient and, and state something that might be like, I presented your case to the uh, tumor board, to the committee of, of cancer specialists, and uh, the recommendation is that your treatment would include the following. And uh, typically the patient's very pleased that the physician has reviewed the case with other physicians. Sure. Now, does that happen all the time with every case, or is it specific to certain situations that seem unusual? It is usually for the patients who have either more advanced or unusual presentations of cancer. But it could be that someone has a usual presentation and that that could also be discussed. So it, people can it feel could comfortable. could be both of the above. That's Sure. Correct. They can feel comfortable that there may be a group of doctors who are talking about you, specifically what treatment options would make the most sense for your general medical condition, for you. And all these things have to be taken to, into account. Age, do you have heart problems, kidney problems, liver problems, all these sorts of things. So it's not based on insurance. It's not based on... Well, gender may be depending on what type of particular problem you have, but it's really focused on the medical aspect of it. It's sort of isolated from from other issues that people worry about, like Mike was worried about insurance. This is really based on national guidelines. How do you treat colorectal cancer? How do you treat breast cancer? How do you treat lung cancer? What are these guidelines based on the stage and, and the situation for that individual? That is correct. Okay. And in addition, each and every patient, when we when we have a, f a firm understanding of, of the cancer burden that they have, we have to look to the university, the University of Hawaii Cancer Center, and, and ask are there clinical trials available here in Hawaii at the university that this patient can enroll in to get the, the latest developments in cancer treatment. So every time we sit to discuss a patient in one of these forums, we have representatives uh, from the university and our research department 
and we coordinate with the university, uh, giving these patients access to clinical trials at the University of Hawaii. Well, and that's another important thing to mention is earlier in the show, we talked about the University of Hawaii Cancer Center being the research center with the consortium of other hospitals, including Kuakini, Hawaii Pacific Health in Queens, and then also Queens having this affiliation with the clinical aspect with MD Anderson, but that also goes forwards and backwards, so that if someone has some particular condition for which there may be a clinical trial being done, depending on whether or not they meet the criteria to be in the trial, there's where that affiliation comes back again, Correct. that they're given that option. Now, there's something else I wanted to talk about, and Dr. Marsh, you're in the hot seat again, but you mentioned another thing that I find it very important for us to review, and you said you hope that people ask for second opinions. A lot of times from the patient perspective, they're afraid to bring it up. They like you. They like Dr. So-and-so. They're sure that Dr. So-and-so is going to give them the most important information they need, and they don't want to insult them by possibly asking for somebody else to help. But you're saying as a physician, bring it on. We welcome bringing more brains to the table to take a look at this. And there isn't really any sense of, oh, you don't trust me. It's rather, let's have another member on the team. Absolutely, Dr. Kozak. You hit the nail on the head. Um, often the patients state that they didn't want to step on anybody's toes or, or, or make anybody feel bad. But what they really wanted to do was make sure they were getting everything that they could possibly get done for their cancer. And as a physician... We've got big toes. Step on them. <laughs> Please go right ahead. We're, we're here for you. We want to make this th the best possible treatment plan that we can for you so it's, it's welcomed with open arms. Well, and that's something that I think a lot of folks still feel a little reticence about, you know, but, but ask. If ever you get a diagnosis and you're not sure about it, ask. I've had that situation happen where people have said, you know, so-and-so said, I have this medical problem. What do you think? And it's great to be able to at least reassure them that what's happening or what they were diagnosed with is correct, but also to help them to learn what kind of questions they might want to ask to get more information and realize that, truthfully, it is all a team approach. Nobody is. You know, I'm personally not insulted if patients that I see like Dr. So-and-so better. That's great. Wherever they get the most appropriate care for them. And if they like somebody who speaks slower or speaks in a different language, let's do what we can to serve those needs. Because that's really, you know, that whole golden rule thing. And uh, do unto others as you want them to do unto you. I would want that sort of treatment if ever I was a patient having a cancer or really any medical condition. And I would want to provide that for other folks. And so it certainly sounds like that's something that will definitely hopefully take away a little bit of the reluctance for folks, but it's something that's going to be an almost an automatic. When somebody says, I want a second opinion, you guys say, hey, we've got our we've got our video conference from the MD Anderson guys. We've also presented your case at this committee meeting with national experts who write these NCCN guidelines. You know, these are the guys who come up with the rules, and they've looked at your situation as well. That's good, and it's very reassuring for the patients, and that's why we're here, because this whole program has been built and defined to be patient-centered. That's why we're here. Darlena, tell me a little bit more about where you envision this going within the next few years. You said there's always room to improve. We've talked about some of the ways in which MD Anderson can partner with the doctors at Queens Medical Center. They're going to actually have doctors rotate. You mentioned Hey, come on, it's Hawaii. People have volunteered already. 
it would be nice to come here for a while. But also doctors from Queens are going to go to MD Anderson and really find a way to mesh the experience that they have together with what we have. What do you see is coming next? I think next we need to work on accreditations and standards across the neighbor islands. Um, I believe that, you know, we're working with North Hawaii Community Hospital. Um, you know, we that's a small community. Kona is very good friends with North Hawaii. They've asked for some opinions and help. Um, you know, it's a it's a it's a joint effort. And where I see this heading next is I hope everyone on this island can be assured that whatever treatment they're getting is the right treatment. It's the best treatment and we can get it right here in Hawaii. And once everyone is assured and feels comfortable, then I'll be happy. And MD Anderson's going to continue to improve care. We're going to continue to grow programs like our personalized medicine program. We're going to grow things and keep trying to improve constantly. That's what we're here for. It certainly sounds like an ambitious goal, and I suspect something that we're several steps closer to getting to because of some of the some of the hard work that you guys have put in already to make this whole affiliation work. When we think about some of our neighbor islands, we mentioned Molokai, we mentioned North Hawaii Community Hospital. Folks can go to these places, and you said Saturday. You're going to actually, or tomorrow, I think you mentioned, but October 3rd, there's going to be one of the first cancer clinics over at North Hawaii Community Hospital. How do people get more information? Um, We have a cancer center number at both, well, at all hospitals. So whether or not they're at North Hawaii Community Hospital, they would just call the hospital and ask for the cancer center. If it's here in Oahu, they would call the cancer center. Um, So it's just a simple phone call to get access to this treatment. Now, I want to not mislead anyone, and I want to be clear that um, North Hawaii Community Hospital is not MD Anderson affiliated yet. We have to go through the process just like we did at Punchbowl. We we plan to do um, the West Oahu Hospital, Queens West Oahu. They will get their affiliation. We will get North Hawaii affiliated and um, really work on program improvement and standards. So I just I don't want to mislead anybody by thinking that they're already affiliated because they're not. Now, with the doctor who you mentioned is going there, they're coming from Queens Medical Center down by Punchbowl. Yes. So okay. so what it is, is we have physicians who have gone through this rigorous process and and they get pinned. And it's a ceremony that we, we do that shows that they have met the criteria, they meet the standards, and they are able to deliver the best care. So, with so the, they will go to yes, North Hawaii Community Hospital. Exactly. And when the hospital itself gets affiliated, that's going to be wonderful. But in the meantime, if the doctor going there is affiliated, they still can be, can be assured that they're still getting top-notch quality care. Exactly. What were they doing before before Queens got involved as far as cancer was concerned. Did they have services available in North Hawaii Community Hospital? Yes. So what it used to be is um, they had a physician, a longtime physician, really a a very good physician, that was there on island and um, treated patients. However, there were no standards um, as far as, you know, there was no one, and I don't want to say policing, but really auditing, looking, 
is this patient getting the best care? There was no team approach. There was no navigator. There was no survivorship. There's no genetic counseling other than a contracted service. So So it might have been really good care, but some of the extras that we're talking about that make it really great care are what you're going to bring to that location to just increase the level of which people can expect to receive the help they need. Yes, absolutely. So uh, we never want to say they got bad care because I don't believe that. I believe every physician tries to provide the best care possible. Um, But we will look at every step that we can do and put in place to improve that and make it better. Well, and I think, Dr. Paula, you'd agree that, you know, the NCCN guidelines, this National Cancer Center Network guidelines, were established by major medical centers like MD Anderson. And anybody who's currently seeing an oncologist, you could be following those guidelines without even knowing it. Your doctor might have said, okay, this is the tumor you have. These are the current guidelines. It's almost like there's a book you could look it up in because I I bet there is. But you look up and you see exactly what's appropriate. So certainly people shouldn't feel like they're not getting appropriate care regardless of what oncologist that they're seeing. This is an extra step of oversight in an effort to bring the latest in what's going on with different types of cancer care to people who live here. And that is correct. And what we have found is the reasons why a patient might not be able to follow through that treatment, it it may be because they didn't have a a babysitter that day. Maybe they needed a ride to and from the radiation department. Maybe they didn't have enough money. Maybe they couldn't get time off from work. That's where navigation is so important because the guidelines are the guidelines, which are the guidelines, but if you can't follow them for whatever reason, you may not be getting optimal care. So in the in the totality of taking the best care of each and every patient, we have to look at all of these dynamic circumstances and address that. And from a programmatic perspective, that's where navigation is so important to make sure that the patients get the care that they deserve. Absolutely. I mean, I just think of somebody who wants to see you in the office and, by the way, you know, their car breaks down on the road and they don't have a chance to make it to their appointment and they've missed a couple of appointments and then all of a sudden they're kind of ashamed and they don't want to try and call and reschedule it again. And sometimes it's really just logistical issues. True, very and true. that's where the navigator can really help them to figure out how to come up with some sort of a solution so they can make their treatments. Because I don't think people realize, you know, although it might be like, you know, I did 29 of 30 radiation treatments you really were supposed to have 30, and that last treatment may make a difference. We, we don't know, but we know enough to know that if you need 30 treatments, that's what you should have. And so we want to make it easier for people. This is correct. It's, it's a total approach to making sure the patients get the care they deserve. Now, you trained at MD Anderson. I did. How close are we to getting to that level of expertise? You know, we're we're pretty close. We are. Um, when Queens and the Board of Trustees and the Executive Administration approved the opening of the Cancer Center in 2007, am I correct, Arlena? Yes, 2007. 2007. Uh, it was uh, designed around that MD Anderson concept. And we've been doing this since 2007, and we have a great team with with great folks providing great care, we can always get better. And and that's why we went ahead and, and made this affiliation with MD Anderson. 
they, MD Anderson, are impressed with the care that's being delivered at Queens. Otherwise, they wouldn't have invited this affiliation. But um, we're not there yet, but we're making strides to get there, and it's a work in progress. Well, I want to thank you both for coming on today to really help share the good news of what this is going to bring to everybody here in the islands, both the neighbor islands and here on Oahu. So thanks to both of you for coming on today. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right. That's Dr. That's Dr. Paul Morris. He is the chair of the Cancer Committee at Queen's Medical Center. Darlena Chadwick, vice president of patient care. Thanks for sharing your expertise. If you'd like to hear this show again, you can click on hawaiipublicradio.org and follow the links to The Body Show. You can also find us on Facebook. Our engineer is David Chong, our executive producer, Beth Ann Kozlovich. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. We'll see you right here next week on The Body Show. See you then. Woo!